Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, October 8, 2023. Today's sermon will be from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to 9. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. This morning, this morning we'll be in Hebrews chapter 13, continue our way, getting close to finishing up the book. I'm very excited to be there um, today, and I pray that it will be helpful to us. Let's pray together, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we give thanks. Father, though <clears throat> life is going on around us, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything that is, that is happening in the world, um, Father... We acknowledge your sovereignty and your providence. And Father, even as we were reminded this morning and even as we read uh, Romans 8, we know that you work all things for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And it is your good pleasure to do good to your people for all eternity. And we have no idea what you are putting into that in order to do good to us except Father, we have the Lord Jesus Christ um, who died on the cross for our sins and who is risen and who has ascended and who sits at your right hand and rules over all. And we wait until all enemies um, are made um, your footstool. And we come this morning with this text before us in the book of Hebrews. We pray that the gospel of Christ would be proclaimed. We pray that Jesus would increase that I, that we would decrease. Father, as always, in spite of me, I pray that you would work. Help us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 13, we're going to be in verses 7 to 9. And the title of the sermon is, I have three exhortations to faithfulness. And so it's, it's faithfulness, and I'll tell you how I get there. Um, in just a moment. But let me read verses 7 to 9. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. In verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Verse 9. Do not be led astray or led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. As I begin this sermon on faithfulness this morning, um, I, I think of 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I memorized it in the King James. Be ye steadfast, unmovable or immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Well, when I think about the book of Hebrews, as a pastor, and I think about in their context, what was the pastor, their pastor saying to them that was writing this letter? He was saying, in all of this that's going on, be faithful. Keep going. Be steadfast. This is really the practical aim. He says, do not fall away. Do not turn back over and over. 
They had, if we think about them and the, the, those Christians in that day, they had trusted Christ. The great high priest that the author makes clear in the book, the mediator, mediator of a new covenant, the old covenant. They had departed from the old covenant, particularly that Judaism there under Mosaic law. And, and as they did depart and become Christians, what happened in their lives? Persecutions came. All kinds of things, even in the letter we read. And so he's exhorting them to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And this is faithfulness. And so today, we are no different. The same, the, the, the pastors that wrote the New Testament would say the same things to us today. And so from this text, I have three pastoral exhortations to us that will help you, help us to be faithful. Three things. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. The first one is this. Remember your leaders in the faith. Two, look to Christ. Look to the one who does not change. And then finally, if we will be faithful, if you will be faithful, be firmly established in the truth of the gospel. So let's begin. Truth one, how do we be faithful? How do you be faithful? Num truth number one, if, if you will be faithful, if we will be faithful, remember your leaders in the faith. Look at verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So one of the ways that we continue in the faith is by remembering those who preach the word of God to us. Notice the verb here in verbs in, in, in verse 7 is in the past tense. He says past. Remember those who spoke to you. Now, he is not speaking of their current leaders at that time, I don't believe. Because look over at verse 17. He moves to the present tense. Obey your leaders and submit to them. So we'll get to that coming. But he's saying, look back. Remember those who went before you. Remember them. A good translation here might be those who guided you, your, your guides, your spiritual guides in the faith. They are told, and I think it goes along with the context of Hebrews, because over and over they're told, imitate those who went before, look at the fathers of the Old Testament, look at those who were the saints, look at Moses, look at all of those, and then coming forward, remember the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before you. So I think the text is pretty clear about those leaders, those who preach the word of God to them. Look back at chapter 2 of Hebrews, verses 3 and 4. He's saying, again, I'm speaking in the context of Hebrews. He's saying, it was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard. While God bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So when, still in the context of those Hebrews, who were they supposed to remember? Well, they were to remember first the Lord Jesus himself. It began with him. And then it moves to the apostles. And then later, I think, to the elders and leaders in that first generation of Christians. He says, remember those leaders who preached the gospel to you. And Paul would have been in, in that group as well. So how does he tell them, though, to remember those leaders, those who preach the word? <clears throat> he says, consider, in verse 7 there, consider the outcome of their way of life. In other words... Think about their lives. Think about how they preached to you, what they did, 
what they accomplished for the sake of the gospel. Notice how they lived in godliness as well. Look at their lives, how they led you. And, <clears throat> and then he says, imitate their faith. So three commands here, really. Remember, consider, and imitate those leaders who have gone before you. I, we could go to so many, but I just imagine one of their leaders was probably, was definitely the, one of the first deacons, Stephen. Do you remember him? He was picked. If you go back and you read, um, you know, what happened in Acts 6. <clears throat> but he was picked because of his character. We pick our deacons today and our elders because of character. Go back and read 1 Timothy 3. But he was described, Stephen was, was described as a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And he was full of grace and he was full of power. And then he even says that he did signs and wonders. He was also a great preacher of the word, one who spoke with great boldness. Do you remember the last sermon that Stephen preached? Very long sermon where he stood before all the religious leaders there and the crowds. And he gave the history of Israel leading up to the gospel. And do you remember what happened to him? They stoned him. They stoned him to death. And so this was just one man's preaching that they could look back to and remember. One man's outcome of life. One man's faithfulness to imitate. But there are so many more, thinking of their context and of ours. When I consider things going on in our own lives, my own life, your own life, and we think about living in the culture that we live in, and we look at examples of those who stood up for the faith in difficult times under difficult governments. I think of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and they, they lived by faith when, when it was hard, when they were living. I consider when, when we're going through suffering and hardships and even some persecutions. I, I often go back to Job I, and think about his life. You know, he lost his, his kids and he lost his possessions very quickly, and then he lost his health, and then he got some friends who turned out not to be such good friends, and it goes on and on and on and on. I'd love to preach that book. We can't get at more depth of difficulties in life than, than, the, than the book of Job, and so I think of him. For me, just moving up to me in my own time, thinking about those leaders who went before me, um, there's so many of them. Um, I think of those who have, who have died. I, mean, I think serving overseas, the years we served, I always, William Carey was one of the guys that I always go to and go back and, and read the things that William Carey had written as he moved off to northern India now, that area, when everybody said, no, you can't do this, and he lived there for his entire life. I think of John Patton. We know who John Patton is. Jimmy and Scott did a talk on him, and there he went to work among those folks. I think of, um, you know, Jim Elliott moving with his family and his, and his kids down to South America and then being a martyr. So many folks like that. I think of, of preachers of like, John, like Charles Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Jonathan Edwards, and others. Even, even Billy Graham, who's just, oft, what he did was just stand before people and say, you need to repent and look unto Christ and be saved. He did it all over the world. I think probably one of my all-time favorites was a guy up here at 
Grace Reformed Baptist in, in Mebane, passed away of cancer. But he was probably my overall favorite preacher that I listened to. People don't know that, that I listened to when we were living overseas. So many people have gone before us. And it helps us to remember those who were influential in our own lives. Um, when I just think about my, my own life, most of the folks who were influential in my life are still living. For some of us, it was parents, or it was an uncle, or it was a relative, or someone, or a preacher, possibly, who's now passed away. For me, you know, living in Appalachian State, living in the dorms, not being a Christian, and then seeing Christians on my, I remember one gentleman on my hallway, and he preached the gospel to me. And not, he didn't just preach the gospel. He lived it out, and I knew that he was different. He was a godly man. So many like that. And so, I mean, I even think about folks who've, who've been here at Grace. I, um, I, you know, the Gurley family's come up because of what has happened, the tragedy that has happened this past week. And even with, uh, with Zach, as we, you know, the Lord took Zach from us. But I think about, you know, preach the gospel, faithful, godliness to his family and many of us here. And so <clears throat> that's the first thing that we see here to be faithful that might help us to do that as we consider those who've gone before. A couple applications. Can you personally point to someone that you've preached the gospel to that has become a Christian through the years and that that person then would want to imitate your faith? Now, I think the easy way to do that is absolutely as parents, right? We are preaching the gospel to our kids and our, our kids are hopefully looking up to us as godly parents. But if it's not that case, has there been any other case? Um, that's something that we should always ask ourselves. What kind of legacy are we leaving even for, you know, as we go and preach the gospel and bring people along? Another application from this. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. We must preach the Word, not just the preacher stands up here on Sunday morning, but we must, as we go and make disciples, what do we do? We talk to people. That is a form of preaching. We preach, we teach, we tell, we proclaim. We're going to, even Saturday with the, uh, the prayer walk, we're going to engage the community first by praying, pray that God will give us opportunities and see what, just see what happens from there, as we go forth, we must preach the Word of God. I mean, if you think about us as a church, could, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, could another church come along or another group or somebody say, yeah, I remember Grace Baptist. They, they, they were good leaders. They were good guides to us as, as they preached the gospel. So lots of things we can say here, but final application on this point is just more of a personal one. Um, I don't think that a church will be steadfast and faithful without good leaders. And we're going to get to that later here in a few verses in Hebrews. But just, I think about that here, even though I'm still here, and your elders are still here, and some of your leaders are, are still here. But I think of 1 Timothy 4. Paul, here's what Paul tells the elders. Um, he tells Timothy, particularly in that context, and we read this in our elders' meetings often. But he says, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your, for your youth, but set the believers an example 
in speech, in conduct, in love. And I'm speaking to myself when I read this. In love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you, but practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for, for, so, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. So churches are dependent upon those who preach for their own salvation, their own godliness, and their own flourishing in the gospel. And so... Um, that's always before me, and I think it's always before your elders. So please keep us in, your, in the forefront of your prayers as we do that going forward. And I would say that if, if your elders, if myself or your other elders ever are not leading in these ways, then I think that we, we have the right to, to get rid of those elders and find other elders who do and who are faithful for sure. So that's always before me, and that should always be before us. So we, we can stay faithful by remembering our leaders. Number two, if you will be faithful, consider the immutability of Christ. Now that's a big word for us. What does Im immutable mean? Cannot change. So a better way to put that, remember that Christ cannot change. Look at verse 8. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now in the context of Hebrews... He is saying, you Christians, back in that time, we know, if you've been listening, you know what's going on. He's saying, you may live under different circumstances now than the saints of the old covenant. You may live in different times than your leaders in the faith, even those who had gone before you. But Jesus is the same. He is immutable. He does not change. This makes him the supreme example for us of faithfulness. He endured. He was steadfast. Therefore, he's telling us today, as we read the text, follow his example. Now, I think of, of running rows in my garden. If those of you planted a garden, you know what it's like. If you've got a little short row, it's not a big deal over here to there. You just run, over, run something over. But if you've got, you know, a hundred foot row or something, um, I, I remember my neighbor from my grandparents' house he used to always call me over every year. He said, I can't see, I'm getting old. And he couldn't handle the tiller because you put a, his particular tiller, you put a piece on the back of it and it just runs the road. But once you get it going, <laughs> you know, if you've ever done it, you can go all over the place. So you set, and by the way, we are right in the middle today, guys, thanks to Caleb Youngblood. But I think of this row going right down the middle back to Randy. If I'm going to run a row down that way, I always put a stick or something there big. And then you just basically, you get going and you just keep getting it right towards it. And you don't get over here and not look, somebody says something, you just go a little bit. But you get the picture. Stay right on the path and then you'll get a, a good row. And so I think, it, that's not maybe the best example, but in some way, um, the fact that Jesus does not change, um, we... We keep our eyes focused on the one who cannot change, does not change. And I think this statement, if we really wanted to expand it out here, is as full as any statement there is in the Bible about 
the Lord Jesus Christ. So for just a moment, let's consider Christ does not change from three perspectives, okay? So we're still under the second truth. If we're going to be faithful, keep your eyes focused on Jesus who does not change. But let's think about how he does not change from three perspectives. Um, His purpose, his teaching, and his example. Okay, so three little points under number two. So he had one purpose. The book of Hebrews and the Bible make it clear that who is Jesus in essence? He is God. God took on flesh. Great mystery, but it is what the Bible teaches. And as we've seen in the book of Hebrews, who is he? He is the heir of all things. Through him, God created the universe. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. And I'm just quoting Hebrews 1. And so, if we keep reading through Hebrews 1, he says... The author says of him, Your throne, O God, is forever. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth. In the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will do what? You will remain. They will wear out like a garment, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. This is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ in his essence, who is God. That was never said about anyone else. In that context, Hebrews 1, the angels particularly. This means that the same verses that we read about God in his character apply to who? The Son. So you might be thinking, wait a second, you're talking about perspective here of purpose. Well, I'm getting there. But all of his ways are perfect. All of the decisions Christ made were right. He doesn't think like us, well, if this doesn't work, we'll move on to plan B. If plan B doesn't work, we'll move on to plan C. Jesus does not think like that. His purpose, all of his actions as divinity, being in essence God, has always been to display the glory of God. And so from that regard, to to display his own glory. And though mysterious to us and I think beyond our comprehension in many ways, by faith, and we go back to Hebrews eleven three. by faith, we know that before the foundations of the world, his plan was to create all things and to save his people. But in order for this to happen, there had to be the incarnation. Jesus came to, he took on flesh came to lay down his life as a sacrifice for sinners because we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But his plan, his purpose always was to come and to save a people. And so I think about John 1.14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This was his purpose. His purpose was fitting into his purpose. He had to live a sin, sin, sinless life. And his entire life was lived so that he would eventually go down to Jerusalem and lay down his life as a sacrifice on the cross. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. And so, Jesus, from the beginning, had one purpose in this regard, from before the foundations of the world, to save a people. And there has been no change ever in that purpose. Also, he does not change. Consider from the perspective of his teaching. 
He only taught one thing, really, along with the purpose to glorify God. Everything that he taught when he walked on the earth was true, truth. Everything he said was true. I mean, when, in our culture today, folks aren't really that concerned with truth. They're concerned with, at James 4, what causes quarrels and fights among you. They're concerned with what they want and, and self. And so it's actually more important in our culture today to say it's better to give you what you want than to actually consider truth. But Jesus, everything he taught was true. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Therefore, believe in me and believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And so all of the teaching of Jesus was about the Father, the ways of the Father, the kingdom of the Father, the works of the Father, the mind of the Father. Well, so let me ask you, I mean, I teach about those things, okay, but I teach about them from this authority, right? But from what authority did Jesus teach and understand and know things about the Father? Because he was there before the foundations of the world. I think of his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So how could Jesus ever teach anything that is not truthful or wishy-washy out there? He could not. He cannot. Because God cannot teach except that which is true. His teaching has never changed. One purpose, therefore one teaching. And from this third perspective, he does not change. His, his example has always been the same, which is faithfulness. Everything Jesus did was in obedience to the Father. He said, he tells often, I, I've just come to do whose will? The will of the Father. And what makes the example of Jesus so great is bound up in the incarnation. God became flesh. He was 100% man, flesh and blood, just like us. What a mystery. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Anybody weak here today? Absolutely. But we have one who in every respect was tempted as we are yet without sin. So if we think about the example of Jesus, every reaction Jesus had to the weaknesses in his own flesh, every thought, every emotion he experienced, the same things that, that we experience, he experienced them all except he was sinless. Every reaction, though, that he made, Every time he talked to someone was the right answer. Every time he made an emotional response to something was the, the right emotion. Never did he do anything that was wrong, ever. Every time he got angry was out of righteous anger. For example, when he turned over the money changers. There were no holes in his example. And so, with that in mind... 
but Jesus does not change. Let's just take a moment, Randy, if you want to pull these up, and let's just read. So give you a little break for just a moment. We're going to read Philippians 2, 1 to 11. Just do it as we normally do. Pastor, congregation, pastor, congregation. So let me start. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Brothers and sisters, in every way, our Lord Jesus Christ that we serve, that we follow, that we believe in, that we have received, does not ever change. He is God, in essence. Paul says of him, too, he is the head of his church. Because he does not change, there is only one faith. Not many faiths, not many roads that lead to God. There is one faith, one Lord. One baptism, Ephesians 4, 5 tells us. This means if we are to be faithful tomorrow morning and Tuesday and next week and on and on we go, we must keep our eyes on the one who does not change in any way, shape, or form. Revelation 19:11 says, Then I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come, speaking of the Lord Jesus. So when you feel like giving up, when your heart is in despair, when you don't know what decision to make, when you consider all of your own weaknesses and know that your heart is prone to wander and you think about all of your sins as Satan accuses you, Consider that the Lord Jesus Christ does not change. He's brought you this far. He is leading you now, and He will be with you for all of eternity. And He will be, <clears throat> I mean, as He is with you through all of eternity, this truth is fixed. The gospel that we serve, the gospel that we believe in is everlasting. So therefore, brothers and sisters... Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Truth number three, if, we, if, you will be if we will be faithful this morning, we must be firmly established in the gospel of Christ. Look at verse 9. Each truth is gone with, with each verse. But look at verse 9. 
Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Here, the context with those Hebrew Christians was the danger of falling away, as we've known, not being faithful to the end. And how was this happening? Well, in their context, they were being led astray back to the old teachings associated with the law of Moses, particularly the ceremonial teachings of that covenant. There were those who who made professions of Christ, but they were being pulled back by the Mosaic law concerning foods that were there in Mosaic law that they ate and then a lot of the traditions that they had, that the days that they kept sacred, whether they were keeping circumcision or not, these things and a lot more were pulling them away back to those old things of the old covenant. And so through these practices and teachings, they were adding to the pure gospel that had been preached to them, which is what the book of Hebrews is all about. And by so doing, they were not established in the gospel. And so notice here that he uses the words in, this ver- in verse 9. He uses the words strengthened by grace. And I think by using the word, calling it the grace, established by the grace of the gospel, is that he is contrasting law, particularly with Mosaic law and the old covenant, with grace. Because the Apostle John says, the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That was their context. So they were taking the old things of the law and then adding them to the gospel. And the more that they did that, then the further away they were taken away. Okay, Greg, you didn't know this was coming this morning, but you're back there. I think of Greg's barbecue sauce. Pam's probably already got the sermon and probably looked over it. But if anybody, I'm just curious, who's eating Greg's sauce? About half the congregation, Greg, you're doing pretty good. We, he should be selling it, but he's not. I don't think Greg came up with the, with the, with the recipe, unless he's fooling us. But who did it come through? Your, your dad, your uncle? grandfather and so it came down to him great recipe and he doesn't give it out to anyone so far um, and he he just makes it for people and gives them out or if you come to his house for chicken if you haven't had it you got to go over and invite yourself over I'm sure they'll have you over and have chicken and say I want your sauce and so <clears throat> but the reason he doesn't he, he, when I think of his sauce it doesn't really need to be changed he doesn't want to put anything else into that sauce because it's already really, really good. He doesn't add to it or he doesn't take it away because, I mean, why would he do this? Well, if you've tasted it, you think, well, this is about as good a barbecue sauce as I've had. You know, it's about as good as it gets. So in the same kind of way, we cannot take away or we cannot add to the gospel of Christ. And uh, I think in the if you want to find another, Romans speaks quite a bit, a bit about this, but if you want to find the best context in the New Testament, we go to Galatians. This is Paul's theme. He's saying, you've fallen from grace. That's what he means by that. Same thing, there's danger of going back to those things in the Old Covenant. So he says um, in, in chapter 1 of Galatians, verses 6 to 8, he says, I am astonished 
that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. So today, I think as we sit here this morning as Christians, mostly I think, if not all, Gentile Christians, we're not in the same context as those Hebrew Christians were. Our error is not so much returning to the law of Moses in some way to save us like theirs was, but... As our text says, we are always in danger of being led away by diverse and strange teachings that either add to the gospel or take away from the gospel. <clears throat> and, then, and at the end, you know, James says you're, you're tossed to and fro on the oceans. You know, when the waves are coming in, it's hard to swim. That's what we do when we add to or we take away from the gospel. And then the, the end of that, though, is apostasy which is what the book of Hebrews is talking about. Don't do it. Don't be led astray. So anytime that we try to add to the grace of God in Christ, but think that, you know, by thinking there's something that we can do in our own work to be saved is to add to the gospel. Also, if we add anything to the message of the gospel, we can be led astray eventually. Um, I just wonder how many churches and movements within Christianity, even in our own culture, will give lip service to the gospel, but emphasize other things. I think this happens quite a bit. Because most of the people I talk to that, that, that are, say they're Christian, they say they're Christian, and they go to Christian churches and hear Christian messages, but often the gospel is just given lip service to. Many churches have completely abandoned the gospel altogether by changing the message of the Bible just to say, you know, let's just be inclusive. Let's just love everybody. Well, there's no, nothing that really works that out except just love everybody and be inclusive. There, that's it. Now, I think those who call themselves Christians and are in that particular camp um, have really abandoned the gospel altogether. But... Other departures from the gospel are more subtle, I think. I think of the prosperity gospel over the last 20 years. as they, And there, there are brothers and sisters in the prosperity gospel for sure, but in a, I'm making a general statement. Over the last 20, 30 years, there are those who profess Christ, but the message of the prosperity and the things that they share there have actually become more prevalent than the gospel. And the gospel maybe is just assumed. Many churches that still believe the Bible merely, I think, to just assume the gospel. And I've, I've heard this before where I've gone into churches that are really good, have good confessions, and they're, they, although they maybe haven't looked at their confession in a while, but they're, they're still conservative as far as we would consider culturally conservative. And you, you go and you hear the pre preacher preach, he's a great communicator. And he preaches a good message, and he tells everyone to trust Christ. But all the middle stuff is stories and things about life, and they never get to, you know, why or who Jesus is. And look to him and say, who is he? 
And let's spend time here on doctrine and who he is and, you know, why did he actually come and lay down his life and spend time on things like that. I think we often see that. I think other churches are more concerned with having some good, you know, worship experience. Many churches are filled with the things of our culture. They're associated with, with music styles or a particular kind of preaching in our in, and I'm just speaking from our culture many churches have so much going on in their congregations that with all the things going on the good things they've really just become too busy and then end up leaving the gospel alone and I think they miss the simplicity of the gospel I hope I'm sure we we, we we've done some of those things through the years but I hope we've kept things simple and that when you hear me preach and you hear the other elders preach or teach, that we get back to very often the gospel. I know some messages have the gospel much more into it as far as, you know, the depths and details of it. But over the times, I hope that the, this has been a place where the gospel has been kept the center. And so <clears throat> if we will be faithful, though, as a church, as an individual, we must be firmly established in the gospel. We must not ever move away from the gospel because the things of this world, they come and go. They will change. But the gospel does not change. Therefore, we must be established. So in closing today, we must be faithful. That is my pastoral exhortation to myself and to all of us and I hope that just the, even this little sermon this morning helps us to think about how we can be faithful by remembering those leaders and those examples. When we feel like we're moving off, we can go back to those examples and think, yeah, that person that preached the gospel to me would never do what I'm doing or think what I'm thinking. That's, you know, that's helpful to us. I think the, probably the most important thing, though, is to know that Christ does not change. We're very different, different circumstances than, you know, those Hebrew Christians. But things will change. Tomorrow, next week, life is full of change, but Jesus Christ does not change. Therefore, we can be faithful. And then finally, we must, if we're going to be faithful, we must hold on to the gospel and do everything that we can to hold on to it. So with that in mind, let's, let's pray together and let's ask the Lord to help us as we try to think about these words and uh, go about our week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, another time that we can get together, another time we can gather as your people. And Father, these words to the Hebrews are the same words to us today. Faithfulness, exhortations to faithfulness. Father, may we be faithful. May we remember our leaders. May we know that Jesus Christ does not change. May we be firmly established in the gospel of grace, the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Father, if someone is here is not a Christian, pray that today you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear. They would look unto Christ and turn and be saved. And for Christians, pray that we would be strengthened today even by this message as we look unto Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.